Live from the Tech Talk Studios hey. in the nation's capital and the heartland of America. It's Tech Talk. You know, it's that time of day. It's time for Tech Talk. I'm Brad Koss. My co-host, Dr. Jay Greenstein. Jay, we got a special guest today, don't we? Let's not let's not call him too special, because otherwise his head's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> well, he's a guest that you and I have known for a long time, and I've actually known him going way back to several businesses prior to this is where I actually met him. So why don't you take the honor, introduce introduce Aaron today, and let's get started with the conversation. So so for those of you in the audience, um, you probably know I'm kidding. I love this man. Uh, not 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 afraid to say it in any way, shape, or form. He is a very good friend of mine. I've known him for God well over a decade, maybe close to two at this point. But our guest today is Aaron Reynolds, and he's the CEO of this amazing company called SalesWorks, where he truly understands, teaches, implements business growth and strategies for companies that are looking to develop their brand and and what I love about Aaron their people because he has a has a great understanding of people which makes him so great at sales and he's consulted with some of the greatest companies in chiropractic and, and other companies around the world he's had a tremendous impact on me and my life we often if you've ever seen us at conferences together we get into some really fun conversations sometimes even heated conversations but the great thing that um, I appreciate about Aaron is not just his kind heart and his intelligent mind, but his authenticity. And that word is thrown around a lot, but I got to tell you, this is one of the most down-to-the-earth, salt-of-the-earth people I know. I love this man. Super excited to have you on the show, buddy. What's up? Well, thank you both for having me. Uh, you're right. The ego is growing. That couldn't have been any better. <laughs> we can just quit right here. I'll walk away. We'll call yeah. it a good day. Uh, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to go on this little journey with you and your audience over the next 30 or so minutes and see if we can drop some little nuggets as we go along and talk about some of the challenges, talk about what we're seeing, and, and I suppose most important, have some fun. Love it. So, Aaron, um, unfortunately, I know that you um, were not able to be live at Cairo Congress, which just happened last weekend in Phoenix. And because I had a conflict at a clinical compass board meeting, I didn't get a chance to see your presentation. So I know you're a rock star and I just want to learn a little bit more about what you taught. And I think it's very valuable based on the topic, the title, really valuable for the audience as well. So just kind of take it away, share with us, you know, those little nuggets that you taught the other last weekend. Yeah, Jay, so I was honored to uh, talk about the future of the workforce. And as I was talking with some of the executives and some of the leadership in the Cairo Congress, we were really talking about what are the challenges people are seeing and facing right now. And to a person, you know, everyone is concerned about the future of the workforce. And it doesn't matter if you're going to the gas station or the restaurant or into an office building or into your practice. It just doesn't matter. Everybody's being impacted right now with the workforce and everybody has a slightly different take on what they think the reason is it could be stimulus dollars and people don't want to work it could be people just don't want to work it could be the jobs aren't available it could be there's too many jobs available and so as i was looking at it and we really wanted to start to get this message across i wanted to approach it more from a scientific standpoint and say okay there's this thing that's going on out there and we have opinions but what's the real problem here what are we really running into 
And we had to take a step and go all the way back to the 1970s, Jay. And, and Brad, being a data person, you're going to love this. It all started with the shift in how many kids women were having. And so if you start to think about cause and effect, that's not something that we're necessarily going to feel for 20 years. And we're not going to feel it compounded for 40 or 60 years. Well, guess what? We're 50 years into that thing. And right in the middle of it, we threw a pandemic which absolutely accelerated everything. So what we learned was the average woman was having, say, 2.2, 2.3, 2.4 kids from 1970, really 73 prior. From 73 on, that went down, and we saw numbers 1.7, 1.8, 1.6. Now we're back up to 1.9, but we've already got a 10% deficiency in the amount of people that can just show up to work. No matter what, we're down 10% because we just didn't replace the supply chain. So the problem starts there. This is a 50-year-old problem. The second piece, though, that starts to happen that really impacts this is what happened with baby boomers. So baby boomers were retiring and are retiring at a clip of about 10,000 a day, 300 and some thousand a month, we'll call it 3.6 million annually. But during COVID, an extra million jumped on that train, said, you know what? I'm out, I can get out, I can go. So we're adding to that. So we're down 10%, we've got an extra million that decided to retire on top of the baby boomers. So now we really have these deficiencies at the same time, the death rate goes up. 2019, I think we had 2.7, 2.8 million deaths in the US. We're giving US numbers. 2020, that number goes up to 3.2, 3.3. So regardless of what we think the impact was or wasn't, the net is different. And it's different by about another half million people. Various stages, not all were working at that time, but they're still contributing to it. And then you throw the kicker on the great resignation. So in July of this year, we know that 4 million people just left the workforce. I'm out. Now, in a normal year, about 2% of the folks leave the workforce, and now it's running at about 3%. So when I give you the number of 4 million, if you want to use an increase in numbers, you're really looking at about 2.6 million to 4 million. So you've got a net of another 1.4 million that have left the workforce. Well, in August, that number went to 4.3 million. So you had an additional 1.7 on top of July's numbers, and we'll get September and October's numbers to see what's going on. So you've got this perfect storm that happened that COVID just accelerated. And the reason it accelerated it, in my opinion, and I'm just a guy with an opinion, is the hamster wheel. So many of us are taught to get on the hamster wheel and run and run and run and run and run until we retire. And then we kind of look around and we're like, oh, there is this beautiful world that's out there. Maybe I should take advantage of it. Well, during COVID, everybody got off the hamster wheel. Everybody got off the hamster wheel. And you know what? Some people don't want to get back on. And so when, when we started talking this weekend, I wanted to share some of those statistics before we dive into how to solve the problem. Let's remove the emotion from trying to talk about how we got here and actually look at the numbers that tell us a story. And there's only two ways we can solve this problem with people. We can solve this problem, but only two ways with people. Have more babies, and that's a 20 year, that's a 20 year at least fix or somehow try and get on the same page with how we'll let more people come into the country and fill jobs people may not want to take and then start to move everybody up the ladder. 
But that's a dicey conversation. We can barely have the most basic conversation. So our people problem isn't going to go away overnight because we're not going to be able to have more kids that quickly. And we're not going to solve how we're letting people in and out of the country, especially during a pandemic, uh, in, in a fast or quick or reasonable fashion. So now we have to start to look to processes, automation, business practices, consolidation, all of the little things that we should be doing to keep our business sharp anyway. But now it's, I suppose, more than any time I can think of in the last 20 years, it's more important than ever. So um, it's so funny because like literally this week I, I sent two emails related to automation as it relates to our business processes to one of our software vendors. I'm like, hey, can we automate this process? Hey, can we automate that process? So like what you're saying um, totally resonates with me, Aaron. And what also I was... I was thinking about as you were, you know, mentioning the stats and like what what are the things that need to get done is raising the bar for for company excellence so that people actually the people who are in the workforce that do yes. want to work like we got to elevate our games. We've got to create a better culture. We've got to create more interesting compensation models. We've got to do better with our onboarding and leadership development, all those things that we work on. But to your point, it's got to be accelerated. So where do businesses start, Aaron? Where do we start? Yeah, so you have to create an environment that people want to run to, not run from. And that's something we should really dissect as we talk through this a little bit more today as well. What does that actually mean? Because it's easy to say, but how do you put that into action? But that's really what we should break down. How do you create that environment? Well, let's, I tell you what, let's, we got a perfect place here. I've got some great questions I want to ask you when we get back, but let's take a short break. You're listening to Tech Talk. I'm Brad Cost, my co-host, Dr. Jay Greenstein. We'll be right back in just a minute. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. As a Cairo Health USA provider, we're excited to work with you to identify which of your discounts are good, bad, or illegal. Most chiropractors bend over backwards to make their care affordable. Unfortunately, dual fee schedules, false claims, inducement violations, and time of service discounts can all put you at risk. And, no offense, everybody's doing it doesn't work with auditors. At Kyra Health USA, we're here to help protect and grow your practice. Just listen to our provider stats. 20% overall practice growth versus 2019. Over 50% of CHUSA patients renew their membership year after year. Over 2,500 patients per month use our provider search directory to find a CHUSA provider. At Kyra Health USA, our purpose is simple. It's to improve the quality of life for our doctors, their teams, and their patients. With over 5,000 providers and nearly a million patients, Kyra Health USA is the network that works for chiropractic. For more information, call 888-719-9990 or visit www.chirohealthusa.com. This episode is sponsored by Infinity. In the modern age of electronic data interchange, Infinity is committed to helping clinicians get paid fast so that they can spend less time tracking claims and more times with patients. As a pro advocate for the healthcare industry, we create tools that make sense for electronic claim processing and business analytics. Couple that with superior support team and we strive to ensure that your business is performing at its best. Infinity committed to the future of claim processing. Down, down, down. Let's slow it down. 
with the hot data jocks of talk. It's Tech Talk. Welcome back. It's Tech Talk uh, with our guest, Mr. Aaron Reynolds. Aaron, you really brought something I, I mean, I guess I thought about, but not in the way that you've sort of, in an additive way, brought in really what could be a serious, serious problem with the workforce because you're right. We can't start having ba- we can start practicing having <laughs> babies a lot, but that that's a 20 plus year fix for the yeah. solution. Immigration now, you know, I've been a big advocate, and we have quite a few immigrants that are trying to make migrate into America through student visas and uh, H1N kind of studies, and we we actually love those kind of employees. They work really well in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, you know, we we suffer in the central central part of America because everybody wants to be on the East Coast or West Coast. Who you know who wants to come live in Tulsa, Oklahoma? So it's hard sometimes to find that workforce uh, here. And then when you do, you got a lot of oil and gas sucking up the talent. Right. Uh, but so th- I think that's part of the solution. But really and truly, this thought about how do you build a better hamster wheel is is really the only solution that I can see coming back to that's got a pretty fast impact on it. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think you're spot on. So it's it's kind of shifting from that one magic silver bullet mentality to looking at all of the different places that your employees are impacted and trying to make an incremental improvement in 10 different places versus just this one one size fits all because that's just not going to work in today's environment. The other thing that's happened is that generationally we don't speak the same languages anymore. So for instance, if you came from a baby boomer generation, you know, into kind of the Gen X uh, type generation, you were all still speaking the same generation. And even before that, the silent generation. And the reason being is the carryover from the depression. The depression era impact, If even if you weren't born, your parents lived through it or your grandparents lived through it. And so the message that was always coming down to you was about working hard and being loyal and doing a good job and all of these value sets. Well, the pain of that went away as we started to get into our millennials and our Gen Zs and this I generation because they're so far removed from it. So their value system, it doesn't mean it's less, it's just different. And that's the other challenge is how do we tap into this next generation's value system to keep them incentivized to want to stay with you. And you can't, you can't control it completely because we don't own our employees and we don't want it that way. And that's not a good reciprocal work environment. But what you do is you start to, as Jay touched on, you invest in programs that invest in them. You understand the importance of work-life balance. So millennials and Gen Z, do not value money the same way that say Gen X does or baby movers do. It's just, it's not there. And it doesn't mean that they don't see the importance of it. They just don't value it the same way. They value time, experiences, and work-life balance in a different way. So if you wake up tomorrow and you're saying, hey, I've got this best job in the world and it's 60 hours a week and you better be here no matter what, good luck. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. You know, and, and so the terrain has shifted completely. And what COVID did is it just accelerated it for us. And so we do have to think of new compensation models. I think it was one of the, one of the things I shared is in 19, bear with me, 
I'm pretty close on the stats, but the average CEO to earner was something like 30-ish to one in the 70s. And we're running 350 to one right now. 350. When you look at your top one percenters, the average CEO used to make three times their top one percenters. Now it's six times their top one percenters. So there's that much disparity between the top earners, the very top earners, and the everyday earners. And so at some point, we do have to allow things to trickle down because if we don't, people will lose faith in the system and they just will stop working. And guess what? Then supply chain stops. And that's the inflation we're feeling right now. It's not so much that the product doesn't exist. Just go to the West Coast. You were on the West Coast, Jay. You flew right over it. Oh, I saw the tankers lined yes. up along the ocean. I'm like, can't we get this shit off these ships? Like, no. And we can't. We literally, no. we cannot. It's nuts. Yeah. I, I had to do a business meeting a couple weeks ago. So I was in LAX myself. And you, you fly over and they're just there. All the product is right there, so it's a different kind of inflation. Either way, it's still supply chain. Whether there's not enough product or there's too much product and you can't get to it, it's all supply chain based, but we're all going to feel it. So I think it goes back to having that shift, Brad, of saying I've got to be intentional about the type of business I want to run, the type of environment I'm going to create. And yes, if I can only have, if I need 10 people, but I can only have eight, I've got to make those eight the best they can very uh, possibly be and support them with the best tools possible. Make sure that I'm taking the profits, profits trickling them down because they'll come back two or three fold if you've done it right. So how do you take an old guy like me that's very traditional in yeah. its values, its work history? I mean, I work around a lot of young guys and yeah. a lot of young ladies, you, you know, the newer generation, because I'm in technology, programmers, developers, data scientists and stuff. How do you take a minute? And I'm all for making changes. You know, the remote aspect of working has hit me full-fledged. And and I'm a real estate, commercial real estate guy too. So I, you know, I've got tons of money in the real estate market I got to protect also. But how do you start taking a guy like me and you twist and turn him to find out what environment is the environment to to keep people attached, to keep them going. How do you start that process, Aaron? Yeah, I think it starts with core values, how the business wants to be run, and then not being afraid to be patient and diligent enough to align your core values with other people who have your core values. Because to be fair, Jay might have the most progressive environment in the world. And if those core values don't align with mine, regardless of age or what my background is, we're never going to be successful. So it starts with, do you have a good set of core values that the vast majority of your current business is already bought into? And then start to talk to your employees about what's working and what isn't working. They're going to tell you firsthand, you know, Brad, you rolled this thing out a couple weeks ago and I don't know what the hell you were thinking. And I'm sure it was a good idea, but it's really not the best idea you've ever had. We'd like you to take it and throw it away and next time ask us. And any of us in leadership have made that mistake before. We thought we were smart enough to know. And the reality is, is the answer is there. Our job is to facilitate, get it out of the people. So turn to your employees and start with them and ask them what works and what doesn't work. Ask them what they love about the job, what they'd like to change about the job. If they were running it, what improvements they would make? What changes would you make overnight? The other thing is, is that when you go to that kind of old dog, new tricks, 
it has to start with having the conversation we just had about logic and numbers. Let's remove the emotion. It's not important to me who caused what. It's more important to me is what's the raw data telling me? What's the raw data telling me kind of on a macro view over time? And so if you're a business owner and I give you those numbers and you can't at least get yourself to think a little bit around, huh, that's a problem then you may not be ready to change. But if you can see it as, that's a problem. I don't know what the hell to do about it, but that's a problem. Well, then we can we can start to slowly make those changes. And I wouldn't swing the pendulum too far. Yeah. You know, that's, that's probably the next mistake people make is, oh, we've gone from all this accountability to no accountability. And we've got to design a new accountability system that meets your needs as a business owner but also maximizes what's available to you from an employee standpoint. So those are just some thoughts right off the cuff that I think as a small business owner or as a large business owner, it's a good starting point. Talk to your people, look at what's working and what isn't working. We'll talk a little bit more about automation and going through that process as well and how to build a budget to actually buy technology and see it as an investment, not as an expense, because that is key also. Yeah, I agree completely with you. You know, that we partly what we do is build that technology. Um, and I would automate everything I possibly could if that was capable because I see the benefit of that. Jay, how are you applying this to your businesses and uh, and what's going on? Especially you've got a you've always had a unique employee um, connection and how you treat your employees. How how do you see what Aaron's saying and how do you change or apply things in a different way. Well, this is why Aaron and I have such great conversations because we do agree on so much and share ideas. And I, I just love what you said, Aaron. Everything from establishing core values, making sure that's really clear, to making sure that you don't swing the pendulum too far, because I've made that mistake. I've seen that pendulum go the wrong way. And there is a balance of being able to create an engaging culture, but also making sure that, um, that you know, People are people who are on the team don't don't take advantage of the goodwill that maybe an owner provides. Um, so so you ask how how do we apply this? I mean, look, we're we're constantly reinforcing our core values. We do employee engagement surveys uh, every single year. We but and and that's a score, right? That's a benchmark. So we use what's called the Q12, which is developed by Gallup. They know a thing or two about polling people. Um, it's a validated outcome assessment tool for employee engagement. And then we but not only do we use that score as a benchmark, but we sit down like Aaron said, and we have meaningful conversations with people on our team. What's working? What's not working? What are the resources that you need? And by the way, those questions and the scores that you get behind those questions really guide the conversation. We could see easily like, uh-oh, this is an area where we need to improve. Let's sit down with each one of our teams and let's have those conversations. But in addition to that, and those have heard me speak, have heard me say this a lot, like we have, I have regular one-on-one -on -one meetings with my direct reports every single week. It is one meeting I will not miss. You know, I just won't reschedule that meeting because that is the most important time I can spend. And to Aaron's point, having those conversations, what's going well, what's not going well, what would you do differently? When you have that kind of exchange with people on your team, they start to come up with the solutions. I'm Aaron knows this and you know this too, Brad. I am definitely not the smartest guy in the room. Right? Like I got a few screws that are loose. And so I need the smart people on my team to come up with those solutions 
that's what makes us all better. So, you know, to, to just reinforce the messages that, that Aaron said, um, make sure that you're clear with your core values and you hire and train people in alignment with that. Make sure that you survey people, have meaningful conversations. Don't over emphasize, don't have that pendulum swing the other way. And then I will also give you a little trick. Um, and, and, you know, Aaron, you know, Joey, but you know, Joey Coleman, who's a great friend of ours, he, um, he wrote the book, never lose another customer again. Well, before we apply that to our patient population, we applied it to our employees. We took every category of, of um, customer engagement and we said how does this apply to our team and what could we do to employ to improve their experience so that ultimately they would improve the experience of the patients and I think that has also been super powerful well that's great Jay I, you know I, I need to start looking at this in some other aspects I've got a very loyal employee base they've been with me for a long time but COVID has changed that a lot we do help the international employees quite a bit uh, with living here, adapting. We've now moved to where we've got employees in other states, uh, and that's worked out. And for me, that was a big change. That was something I had to internalize and accept. You know, even even going remote when COVID hit, the old guys, the one that had really struggled with it in the beginning because I came up that traditional pathway. Listen, guys, let's take another break. We're we're into it. We're talking with Aaron Reynolds. Uh, I'm Brad Koss, my co-host, the Data Doc of Talk, Dr. Jay Greenstein. We'll be back in just a minute. Listen to the future of healthcare with the Data Jocks of Talk. It's Tech Talk. Hi, I'm Dave Klein, co-founder and director of business development for PayDC, the chiropractic industry's leading developer of cloud-based integrated practice management software. PayDC is fast, easy, and affordable to use. PayDC will significantly help you improve your practice in three main areas. Number one, it will help you reduce the amount of time needed for training. Number two, it will help you increase your revenues both from insurance companies and your patients. And number three, the system is based on federal law, improving the quality of your documentation and helping you tell a better story of how you care for your patients. Hey everybody, this is Dr. Jay Greenstein. This is Jay Greenstein. With me today is Dr. Jay Greenstein. And Dr. Jay Greenstein. The world around us and healthcare specifically is changing at an exponential pace. Chiropractic is perfectly positioned like we have never been right now today to be more successful and to be more impactful for the communities and patients that we serve. There are all sorts of evidence-based guidelines that, that support the use of non-pharmacological approaches. But what I want America to know is that health doesn't come from a pill. It's our responsibility as healthcare providers to educate the community about the evidence that exists. We really need to have a private practice app, something that will help us engage with our patients in ways that they've never experienced before. The intersection of technology and quality care is where the future of healthcare is at, and I'm really excited to bring that forward in the future. With the hot data jocks of talk, it's Tech Talk. 
What's up, everybody? We are back, and it is Tech Talk with my very good friends, Mr. Brad Koss and Mr. Aaron Reynolds. We are having an amazing conversation, and I got to tell you, like, um, I, I'm literally taking... People could have seen me maybe. I was taking notes as Aaron was talking because it's like such valuable information that we can apply in our businesses and our practices literally tomorrow. So I want to thank you for dropping these knowledge bombs, brother. Um, it's so funny because your name came up. So Dr. Ray Foxworth, who all of you should know, if you don't, he's the CEO of Chiro Health USA, uh, the network that works for chiropractic, we call it, right, um, to, to provide compliant cash plans for patients. Um, he, he's, I consider him a very close friend. We had a great conversation. Um, we were preparing for our final session at Cairo Congress because we did it together. We tag team every now and then, like Brad and I do many, uh, very often. And your name came up because we were talking about, he was really talking about how grateful he was for you and how you have really helped to transform Cairo Health USA and, and your ability not only to understand sales and people and business development, but data data to drive the right decision making um he was just you know the gratitude was like literally coming out of his his whole aura it was like a, a aura coming out of him of his gratitude for you so tell us a little bit what it's like to work for our good friend uh you know dr foxworth and and what it's been like just working in the chiropractic industry uh for a company like chiro health usa yeah you know i've had truly some of the best clients out there and and some of the most influential people and i try and stay behind the scenes as much as i can uh you know brad asked an earlier question a great question about how to make a transition from where he had been and from a management and business standpoint to where he is today and ray uh dr foxworth is of similar age and and when i first started working with them uh, he was a company that was built on you're here we're in the seats, this is our job, we're always serving, that is our job is to always serve this profession, but it was managed in more of a traditional way. And one of the things that I applaud him for is, is he let me push a little bit and I said, you know, what's really more, more important? Having someone that's sitting in a chair from eight until five or someone that's productive most parts of all day? And the answer is easy for any business owner. You want productive people. I mean, I think it was the Forbes report that said out of an eight, average eight-hour workday, the average person works like 2.6 hours. You know, so they're really spending five-plus hours a day looking busy. And, and there's a game to be played with that. You show up a half hour early, you leave a half hour late. It has nothing to do with how productive you are. It's optics. And I'm all about productivity. Let's get the project done. Let's do it. Let's do it right. Let's look back on it. Uh, working with Kyra Health has been an absolute blessing. Ray is as much a mentor to me as I've been an impact on that business because he's got such a calming, thoughtful personality. Uh, and all of the decisions there, this is a prime example of a core value. All of the decisions there, whenever we sit around the table, we ask ourselves, is this improving the quality of life for our doctors, their team, their patients, and our team? And if it doesn't check all of those boxes, we don't make the decision. We will not make it. And so that's a prime example of how you have a core value, but then you use that core value to remove the emotion. I may love it. I may think this is the best thing in the world. And if it does not check all of those boxes, it doesn't matter. And so it just keeps you true in your decision making. And so it's been a wonderful, wonderful experience. When I started working with Kyler Health, I told him I'd work with him for one year. And that was in 2015. So <laughs> I can't leave them and, and vice versa. They're so much fun to watch. I, 
I've been around a lot of companies. I can't tell you that I've ever been around one that's so committed to just trying to do it right. Uh, and so that's fun for me because I know if it can happen, it can happen. And I take that same message to other companies. I mean, you can do it and you can do it right. And you can make sure that everybody's uplifted and you can be giving with everything that you do. And what's amazing is the more I watch that company give, the more I watch it grow. So he does, he does, he does. So yeah, I, I've been extremely fortunate. Uh, I'm happy to work with them both in front of the scenes and behind the scenes, as well as other companies in the space. Uh, but my time in chiropractic has just been an unforeseen blessing over the last decade plus, as you've put it out there. So let me ask you a question. Um, what's the one word you would use or maybe phrase that you would use to describe working in chiropractic? Uh, interestingly rewarding. <laughs> I love it. So can you, can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, you know, this is what a, what a passionate and impactful profession this has been and with so much potential so much potential out there and and the problems that i see are i'm not the first one to see them and i won't be the last one to see them you know the the reality is is that we need to do a big venn diagram and all get behind whatever's in the middle and take that message to the mountaintop so everybody can hear it uh working in chiropractic has been i've seen literally seen what i would call miracles happen, uh, you know, and then from a business standpoint, I've seen an opportunity and I still see that opportunity. I think that so many of our practices are spread so thin because they're forced to be chief cook and bottle washer. Every decision has to be made. And so you're the top clinician, but you're the business person at the same time. And guess what? Those two things don't align. They just, it doesn't mean they can't align but it means that nine times out of 10, they're fighting each other because the clinician has to always be thinking about the patient and the business person should really always be thinking about the business, which includes the patient. And as they meet in the middle, we build this healthy environment. And as you know, my wife owns a vet clinic, but she's not a vet. And so her, her business partner is the vet. And since they split that out where the vet only manages the other vets, but my wife runs the business, they now have seven full-time doctors, each have two and a half full-time staff or 2.5 staff working with them all the time. It's a large clinic and it just continues to grow and people are happier because nobody has to do everything. By the way, they run their business off traction as well. So for those who've listened before and continue to listen, we're all big fans of traction because it allows you to get things done. Uh, so I'm also a big fan of trying to introduce better business practices to the profession and it doesn't have to cost hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. Let's just share best practices with each other, especially if everyone's going to be on an island, which I'm not a fan of either. We'll talk about that in a different day. <laughs> yeah, I love it, bro. Yeah, so Aaron, as we bring this podcast sort of to a conclusion, let's quickly ask you, where are you going to be where people can hear you or, or talk to you, where you're speaking, or, or really how to get hold of you if you've got a... a a web a web portal that you'd like to throw yeah out. so a couple of things uh i just was fortunate enough this last week to speak at the cairo congress for those of you who were there i sorry sorry i couldn't be there in person i was doing my public safety part to protect everybody else so i'm staying isolated 
Uh, I will be at Parker Vegas. That's the next time I'll be out in the public public. Behind the scenes, I'm a few different places. You can find me uh, at mysalesworks.com, which is M-Y salesworks with an X. Forgive the little glare.com. Uh, also, A Reynolds, first initial, last name at mysalesworks.com. And then, look, I'm always happy to do a webinar or jump on. So if you're part of an association or a group or you like what we're talking about, this is not something I'm trying to withhold. I think knowledge should be shared. It's our responsibility to be in cooperation with each other. Yes, we are going to compete, but let's share best practices and then let's let execution be the decider here. So let's not be afraid for all of us to put our hat in the ring with what works and really lift this whole place up. So reach out to me. I'm happy to share whatever ideas I have at any point in time and facilitate just healthy conversation. And my goal will always be the same. If there's 10 people in the room, I hope I have the worst idea in the room because I know I'm going to come prepared and ready to play. And if we have nine ideas that are better, watch out. We're going to do some crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Well, listen, thank you for spending uh, the time with us today. You brought a very interesting perspective. Uh, I'm going to think on this for a day or so now uh, of what you said uh, about the net growth, because that that really is going to impact almost every profession, every yeah. industry, every company uh, across the planet, not just America. So yeah, uh, yeah. You're, you're spot on. And there's more to it. We'll get into it in, fu in future uh, podcasts, but there's more to it. But you've caught it. It's going to impact all of us. So we have to listen whether we want to yeah. or not. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, listen, uh, Jay, good luck. I look forward to seeing you here in a, in a week uh, at uh, FCA in Naples. So, uh, Aaron, again, thank you a lot for spending time with us. From myself, uh, Brad Koss, my co-host, Dr. Jay Greenstein, have a good day. See y'all. Come on. And the Data Doc of Talk is Tech Talk.